The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Each year the parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to festival custom. After they had completed its days as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as we noted, the church celebrates the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady. And simply naming that, we run into a problem. What does it mean to celebrate a heart? What does it mean to have devotion to a heart, and specifically to the Immaculate Heart, the Sacred Heart of Our Lady? And the trap that all too many readily fall into is as soon as we hear the word heart, our mind gets into the category of the hallmark moment. And we believe that we are dealing with something that is sentimental and about feelings and specifically about good feelings. And that is not at all what devotion to the heart of Our Lady involves, because it is not so trivial as that. And the key to understanding this is to reflect on the relationships that we know so well. Because true friendship and true love involves a certain degree of devotion of one heart to another heart, doesn't it? And when we celebrate one whom we love, we do understand that in terms of the heart. And when we pause right there, we recognize the heart is a lot more complicated 
than any merely sentimental and warm feeling that I might have. In fact, our relationships, for all their goodness, often have a lot of woundedness in them too, do they not? So let's begin right there. Because the word devotion is the first thing that gets misleading. The word devotion doesn't mean warm feelings. It means being committed to. In the same way a husband must be devoted to his wife, and a wife devoted to her husband, parents devoted to children, children devoted to parents, when we speak of devotion in the spiritual sense, that's what we're speaking about. Not a feeling, but a belonging. A belonging that implies a committedness. To be devoted means to show up not just when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient too. Or devotion isn't real. To truly love means to invest not just when it's pleasant and I feel happy, but also when I don't, or else my love isn't real. It's merely self-interest. And when we recognize that, and we understand that I would only make a commitment like that to someone whom I appreciate, to someone whom I esteem, to someone whom I value, and that I value this relationship so much, I will not lightly or easily set it aside. But rather, I will do the work required to maintain it. Then we approach much more closely to what it is to talk about the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady and to honor it and to be devoted to that heart. And so as we pause there and reflect on that, when I value a friendship, when I am in love with somebody, there's a reason for it. And there is a good feeling that I have. There's something about that person that attracts me, that I admire, that I respect. But if we're honest with and about ourselves, even and actually especially in those relationships, with those whom we value most highly, we find that there's a shadow. I take the person for granted. I take the person for granted. I take the person lightly from time to time. I act in a way where even with good intentions, my love expresses itself wrongly and wounds or hurts the other person. And sometimes because I'm inconstant, I'm weak, I'm impatient, I simply don't express love. I express something else. I expect, express indifference. I express anger. I take out what is wounded in me on that one that I care about. And if I value that relationship, then what do I need to do? I need more than a warm feeling. I need to say I'm sorry. And as we know, and as any healthy marriage will attest to, sorry isn't enough either. I actually have to change my behavior. 
In other words, love seeks to love rightly. It gets it wrong regularly. But the greatness of real love is that when it recognizes its mistake, it can admit it, it can apologize, and it can move forward. This is the essence of devotion to the heart of Our Lady and the heart of Our Lord. It begins with a great appreciation of the dignity of these hearts, the dignity of these lives. And we are stirred with admiration for, we are stirred with feelings of affection for. And as we draw near to Our Lady and we trust her and we celebrate her, that is good. But the simple fact of the matter is we also have to recognize we act in ways that offend that heart. We're indifferent to its warmth. We're indifferent to its love. We're indifferent to its goodness. Just like we become indifferent to one another. It's common and it's natural. It happens in the spiritual life and it happens in personal life. And note how beautiful this is. How the best of our devotions in the church are not simply pious, abstract ideas, but also for schools. There are schools, not just for how to pray well, but to how to live well and love well with one another. And this is why for centuries the church has put forward the heart of Our Lady as an object of devotion. Because it is many things for us. It is the school of truly knowing and loving Jesus. It is the school by which we understand our own fits and struggles as we try to grow spiritually. And learning those lessons, it becomes the school of how, especially in our families, we learn to love one another more fully and more rightly. What a marvelous, marvelous resource that is. Devotion to the Immaculate Heart as a public manifestation of the Church's prayer is relatively recent. It goes back about 370 years and that's it. And in the history of the Church, that's not a long time. St. John Eudes in France was that one who turned this devotion, which was known among many of the saints and many teachers of spirituality, into something that engaged and was accessible to the broader public in the church. And he promoted it under two very powerful ideas. And the first was this. St. Augustine, in speaking about the greatness of Our Lady, said, the Virgin Mary conceived the Word of God in her heart before she ever conceived Him in her womb. And her heart was the great treasury of all the things of heaven, all the things of Jesus. Reflecting on this beautiful statement by St. Augustine that the Church repeated for centuries, St. John Eudes stopped and he added an extension to the statement so that it fully said, according to him, she conceived the Word of God in her heart well before she conceived him in her womb. And the simple truth is this, 
and he abided in her womb only a short time, nine months, but he never left her heart. He never left her heart. And so the first element of the greatness of this heart, it is that treasury, that temple, that palace, that garden of paradise, where Christ himself was pleased to enter and never pleased to leave. How marvelous that is. And we pause here for a moment and we simply consider what's going to happen in a few minutes. We're going to come forward, we're going to receive Holy Communion. We'll stretch out our hands to the consecrated host. We'll receive the Lord. We'll take him into ourselves. He will be in our hearts. And how many times has this happened and our hearts have let him go? It's not that he wants to leave, but our hearts very quickly forget, don't they? And so note all of a sudden this admirable greatness of the heart that never forgets, the heart that never looks away, the heart that always holds on to the goodness it has been given. So different from ours, and yet something that our hearts can aspire to become. If not perfectly so, at least more so. That's why we have this beautiful gospel reading today, which concludes with those words, she treasured all these things in her heart. We know something of this. When we really love somebody, we treasure moments of, that we've shared with that person in our lives. When we grow in affection with someone, there are all kinds of details, often, many of them often small, that others would find to be silly. And yet we cling to them like treasures, don't we? And Our Lady's heart is a heart like that. There is nothing too small, nothing too trivial about her son that she won't hold on to. There is no blessing that heaven has given her so brief that it won't dwell within her forever. What a marvelous, marvelous heart that is. And imagine this then. A heart that mysteriously, even though physically it never changes size, interiorly keeps expanding, keeps growing bigger, because there is always more of Christ, always more of goodness to contain, to hold, to receive, and to value. And it's this heart that knows the Lord better than anyone, because this heart, contemplates him completely, receives him completely, and communicates him completely. This heart that received the Lord is the heart that gives him to the world. This is the other beautiful thing about the heart of Mary. Jesus gives you his heart by first giving himself into hers. And from her life, from her heart, from her love, from her fullness, the love, the grace, the goodness of Christ comes to us. When we stretch out our hands to receive the Blessed Sacrament and Holy Communion today, that same Lord Jesus Christ passes through the heart of Mary to come to you. Because that's how he's come into the world. What a remarkable heart that is. 
that heart whose ability to love is what brings the love of Christ to us. This, for St. John Hughes, is the reason we turn to this heart. To call upon this heart in our need, to trust this heart to be with us, to admire this heart, celebrate this heart, and learn from this heart. And as he says this, he himself is the first one to say it. And as I realize, O oh blessed mother, how wondrous your heart is, I realize how I've just never appreciated it. I realize how I've never even bothered to try and understand it. I realize how even knowing that I can turn to you all too often, I don't. I realize how despite you being so good to me, I've been content to shrug my shoulders and take it for granted. This holy man, the more he contemplated the greatness of the heart, was also convicted within himself that compared to your love and your concentration on Christ, mine goes nowhere. And compared to the way that Christ blesses me through you, I've never even adequately thanked you. And so the second element of devotion to the heart of Mary is something called atonement. And it begins with that simple fact of saying, you've been so good and I haven't appreciated you. In the language of Our Lady of Fatima, the word is reparation. But this is an ancient tendency in the church, an old tendency, that as we appreciate the one we love, we also appreciate and recognize how our own love in response doesn't measure up. And the point is not to feel guilty. Any more than in our other relationships, the point is not to merely feel guilty and dwell in guilt. The issue is to admit it and to move past it, to make a commitment to love better, love more fully, love more strongly, love more constantly. That, then, is why the Church celebrates this great feast today, this beautiful day of that heart which loves Christ so much, but also that heart through which Christ loves us with his own heart and to recognize that we who receive so much and are given so much even to this day when we don't even realize it, need to simply learn to more fully appreciate and to commit ourselves to loving more fully. So at this point in the liturgy, I'm going to invite everybody to kneel for a moment before the image of the heart of Our Lady. Some 370 years ago, Father Eudes, St. John Eudes, composed a very moving prayer to Our Lady. I translated it out of the original French a couple weeks ago. I don't know when the last time, honestly, anybody in any part of the world ever prayed this prayer has been. Um, it's a text that's been largely neglected. But we're going to pray it here. It's called an act of, the Act of Honorable Atonement to the Sacred Heart of the Virgin Mary.
How much deep sorrow I have, O Holy Virgin, when I consider the insults that you have received and that you continue to receive every day from the malice and the ingratitude of men. What outrages have the heretics not committed against you? They have omitted nothing in acting to destroy your glory. They have argued against your august status as the mother of God. They have denied your virginity. They have challenged your power with regard to God and your kindness toward men. They have refused you the glorious titles that the church has given you. They are striving mightily to abolish devotion to you. They have profaned your holy images and overthrown the temples dedicated to the Lord under your name. Oh, how is it possible to find hearts so ungrateful and so impious as to despise you and to persecute you in this way? You who are worthy of the most profound veneration and the most tender love of angels and of men. But how can it be that even among the faithful who profess to recognize all of the privileges with which the Lord has adorned you, one still finds, and in such great numbers, those who have nothing but coldness and indifference toward you, who take not even the slightest trouble to show you the affection and the gratitude that they owe you, who neglect to honor you, to invoke you, to avail themselves of the help of your protection. That which further outrages and which deeply wounds your heart, O Holy Virgin, is to see your dear son so often and so severely offended by Christians. It is to see that many of them even cover themselves up with your protection, as with a veil over their disorders, and that by a presumption which is greatly insulting to you, they make of your mediation a guarantee and a reason to persevere in their aberrations. And what faults do I not have to reproach myself with in regard to you, O my most holy mother? How many times by my sins have I not thrust the sword of pain into your maternal heart? What return and what appreciation have you found in me until now? What care did I take to render my homage to you each day? What attentiveness to imitate your virtues? Humbly prostrate at your feet, O Mother of Mercy. I beg of you pardon for all my past infidelities. I desire with all my heart to repair them as far as it is possible for me to do, and to make to you at the same time an honorable atonement for all the acts of ingratitude and for all the insults that you have suffered from men. It is in this view that today I take forever towards you all the feelings of respect, of love, and of gratitude that are due to you. I offer you my homage, my praises, and my service. I make a very great profession of belief in your divine maternity, your perpetual virginity, your holiness and your glory above all creatures. I revere with the Holy Church your immaculate conception and your glorious assumption. I believe that your power, 
Your goodness and your mercy are proportionate to your ineffable dignity as the mother of God and to your eminent holiness. I recognize you with joy as a mother of mercy, a mother of grace, as the refuge of sinners, as their advocate and their hope at the side of Jesus Christ. I regard your protection and your favor as an infallible means of obtaining from the goodness of your divine Son all of the graces for which I hope, for this life and for the next. And as the heretics have labored to abolish devotion to you, I will glory all of my life to uphold it, to be numbered among your servants, to defend your interests, and to obtain as much as it will depend on me, that you will be honored, loved, and served in a manner appropriate to your grandeurs and your kindness. O Divine Mother, deign to accept these sincere desires that I form here at your feet. Let me taste the sweetness of your sacred heart, the source of peace, of mercy, and of love so that by the imitation of its virtues, I may merit to glorify eternally with you the Almighty who has worked such great wonders in your favor. Amen. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee.